Good morning, Grace Church. I say howdy all the way from Cedar Hill, Texas. Uh, uh, that's a long drive somewhat, but hey, uh, I'm just here to say hi, and I thank Justin, and I thank you guys for this uh, privilege to proclaim God's word to you. Again, I am uh, the lead servant of Omni Fellowship in Cedar Hill. We have been going for like two years and about 10 months, and it's been a blessed journey, if you know what I mean. Amen. Uh, we are definitely a multi-ethnic, cultural Social, economic, background, I mean, whatever multi you have, that's what we are. We are a multi that. Amen. And so we get to stand, man, and, and just see the miracle of God every single Sunday at Omni. And uh, I thank you guys for coming alongside and supporting uh, through prayers. Uh, primarily, uh, I mean, just uh, 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 Omni Fellowship, and uh, I was told last month that not only in praying, but also in finances, amen, will you guys come alongside and be a blessing to Omni uh, in Cedar Hill, and I just say, I say thank you for them, uh, for your belief in God for us, and so with that, let me just, man, pray uh, briefly over myself, and then we're going to jump into today's text. Uh, Father God, we come. Uh, and we're always uh, humbled that we get, uh, that we have this access to such a mighty God. That we stand and kneel and sit by faith in the presence of of a sovereign, just, good, yet holy, yet forgiving God. And for the mere fact that you paved the way through the life and death and resurrection of Christ to have this unhindered access to you, it should overwhelm us. That it should bring our souls great joy that our Father, he desires so much to hear from us that he sent his Son to die for us that we might have, that we might now be near him and reconciled to you. And so, Father, we just say thank you. And God, we also say, God, we also say that we love you. And I do pray, God, that in these next few moments that you are glorified, that Satan is terrified. And that your people are edified. I ask it in your glorious and mighty name. Amen. Amen. Whoever and wherever you are, God is pursuing you. Uh, We see this truth right from the start in Genesis chapter 3. When Adam and Eve sinned against God, in the same chapter, God pursued them. That in the same chapter, God, he covered them. In the same chapter, he proclaimed the gospel to Satan, but for us. And in the same chapter, when Adam and Eve sinned against God, God pursued them. Move forward even to the book of Revelations where you have John on this island called Patmos and he's over there for the sake of the gospel. And even in an island where he's been actually ostracized for his faith, 
God is still pursuing him. So even when you sin against God or you are suffering for God, he's always pursuing you. And that is good news. And this, this, this truth, this reality, it is replete throughout scriptures. But I love how the weeping uh, prophet Jeremiah puts it, uh, where he says, the steadfast love of, of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. Now, because I'm here under Justin Jackson, he's a very smart guy, uh, working on, on his second doctorate, uh, I knew I had to come knowing my stuff. And so uh, 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 I looked up the word never in Hebrew and Greek. And, and guess what it means? Never. His love, it never ceases. It, his mercies, they never fail. They are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. It's because his love never fails. It never ceases. We're never cut off, never forsaken, never forgotten, never left alone. This should make your soul happy. A God who is in heaven is faithful to love you on earth all the time. I stand here as a recipient of this steadfast, unwavering love. Born in the great town of Oak Cliff, Texas. That's my hood. Not not a city. My wife keeps telling me that's not a city. I tell her, you don't know your stuff. Old Cliff used to be a city. Uh, but now it's just my hood. Uh, though I was been raised in the, in the fabulous city of, uh, or hood of Oklahoma. And, uh, uh, being, being their mom, divorced and married three times, uh, abused three of those Four times she was married, uh, just abused by men and raised up in the streets. Uh, because of that, man, at the age of 15, I, I happened to run from the house, and, and I let the streets raise me. Uh, in those streets, I've made some bad choices. Uh, who you see standing before you today is a guy who's been in jail eight times, prison three times. Yet it was in it was in Springfield, Tennessee, where God pursued me and saved me. Listen, I wanted nothing to do with that man. I was I was I was cool with, with my own life, my own sin. But God, being rich in mercy and great in love, He pursued me and wooed me and said, "You are mine." April of nineteen ninety nine. I said yes to him, and I have not looked back. I'm here simply in ministry, simply in my marriage, because of his steadfast love. And the most important thing, I stand here as an adopted child of God because he loved me when I did not love him. It's because of his steadfast love 
that he pursued me for the prime reason of bringing me to himself. But I've come to realize that's not the only reason why he reconciled, restored, and saved me. He restored me with his steadfast love so that I might in turn love others. His love to me was not the end all. It's not, he was just love to me now to work through me. And this is where we find ourselves today in John chapter 4. I mean, first John chapter 4. As you find it on your device or in your, in your Bibles, uh, let me give you just a brief history of John. John is the one who, he, who is the self-acclaimed uh, apostle that Christ loved. This book was penned uh, somewhere in the uh, uh, early or late, uh, late uh, first century. And so you now, John, he's, he's writing this letter, and he, it's, it's, it's in Asia Minor, now Turkey. And, he's, and this is what you call a circular letter. It's going around Asia Minor trying to edify, trying to encourage uh, the saints. Now, now in this letter, there is this. There, uh, uh, you will find what we have t- termed or called the core of Christianity. In this letter, you'll see that John is going to encourage the saints to learn sound doctrine, uh, to live in obedience. But all of that is because you've been loved by God. See, to 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 learn sound doctrine and to live in obedience. Absence of God's love, that's called religion. It's all a behavior thing. But when you learn sound doctrine and when you live in obedience because your greatest motivator is love, that's Christianity. That the greatest motive for us reading the Bible, praying, singing songs, living in Community is because God has loved us. Now, before you get too happy about John, John, if you read in his Gospels, has some issues. John was known as one of those guys known as the Sons of Thunder. And the Sons of Thunder had some anger issues. They They wanted to call fire down on people. I mean, they had some issues. But but when you have but when your issues hang around Jesus and you live with him and you walk with him and you look to him, he will change you. He went from sons of thunder to now the disciple whom Jesus loved. He's pinning this letter. Now, now, now where we are in First John 4, this is the third test of love that John talks about the sure volume of space that John dedicates about this issue of love shows the importance of it to every fellow believer. So let me read for you again, uh, verses 7 through 11, and I'm going to spend a very few minutes because my cowboys are playing, amen? Uh, the Cowboys are coming on, amen. and they will beat Detroit Lions, amen. And so uh, let me read my uh, word, amen. So it says in verse 7, it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is 
from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. And this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we love God, but he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. This is the word of God. What we see in verses 9, and I mean 7 through 8, or 7 through uh uh, eight is that we're going to see what it's called. We see uh, the summon to love and God and the source of love. We see the summon to love and we also see the source of love. It says here in, in verse seven, beloved, let us love one another for love is from God and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Now, before I, I get to the summon, Look at the saved name of every saint in the house. But if you have thrown yourself on the mercy and grace of Jesus, your name is beloved. As much as we act like we're not loved, if you trust in Christ, God sees you as his Beloved, his divinely loved ones, those that are completely and eternally loved from God, for God, from now and forever. It is those who have been apprehended by the same steadfast love that Jeremiah, he talks about. That this, that because of God's steadfast love and him, and, and him wooing you to himself, you've thrown yourself upon the mercy of Christ. And from that day forth, God's been calling you beloved, even though at times you don't feel loved. That's your name. If you are in Christ, and because you are in Christ, no matter how you live now, the Father will never call you a different name. You are his beloved, even with a sinful nature. He'll never not call you his be- beloved. And I don't know about you. Let me just say this. It was a few months. It was, it was back in June of last year. Uh, the church plant was struggling. Uh, it was going through a merger that did not happen. And so half the church left. And there we were now leaving a church where we was where we considered to merge. And that didn't go through. And so half of the folks stayed there. And as we went on for six more months, Folks kept leaving, and, and, and so the people started leaving, and the cash started getting down, and there I found myself in what is considered a mild depression. I was going to a counselor, and uh, he said, man, you, you're going through depression. Now, at first, you know, I never thought that, that a Christian could be depressed, but read Psalms long enough, and you can't tell me that, that David was not depressed. 
read First Kings 18, and you can't tell me that Elijah was not depressed. I mean, I mean saints who serve God have fallen through depression. Your, your boy was depressed, wanting to quit the ministry. I was done. So in June of last year, there was this retreat uh, that the pastors and wives have in this church network. And so I went there, and I was going there to tell my sending church and the pastor that I was done. I was done. It's not for me. I mean, I'm just glad that when I'm done, God is not done. I go there, and this preacher is preaching. I'm like, man, has this guy, man, I said, baby, did, did you call him? How does this man know my business? The only one I've talked to is you, and then he's telling me my business. What's going on? So now I'm sitting there, man, and man, this dude is he's 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 talking to me. So after each talk, they get your time, man, just to go and man debrief and man seek God and to talk. And I remember I was going to say, well, God, I'm gonna go tell Rodney uh, I quit tonight, and I was going on this walk. And I remember what he told me, or what he put before me. He said, son, did I, call you, did I call you to a church plant, or do I call you to myself? Is your name church planter, or is your name beloved? Son, I don't care what's going on through you. I've set my name on you. And when I set my name on you, I did not promise you wouldn't go through suffering. But through all the suffering you will go to, you will always be my beloved son. Yeah, it's the same name he called Christ in Matthew 3.17 and in Matthew 17.5. That the same name that God gave Jesus, he gives us. That's incredible. That, that the same name, that, that the same name he put on his son, he put on you and I who have believed in him. There's never a moment today or in eternity where God will stop loving you. You are his beloved. And you'll see here that the summon uh, uh, that the summons is to love. Verse 7, let us, because we are beloved, let us now love one another. Now, I know you guys, you guys are, are in a great church and y'all learning doctrine and theology. I've never gone to a church where the pastor and the associate is writing their own theology courses. What's that about, man? Just grab a book, you know what I'm saying, and take them through it. But no, 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 not Justin and Brandon. No, they want to show me how dumb I am, amen. Let me just write up my, my own course. I say, y'all go ahead and y'all have at it. So I know, I say all that to say, I know that, the, that, that y'all know what love is, that how even in 1 Corinthians 13, the Bible describes what love is, and what love is that? I know I'm not going to, I'm not coming to a church that, that does not know what love is. But I did your favor. I went and found my own 
working definition of love, but by Paul Tripp. Amen. See, I'm still smart. I know I read this book. Man, that's a good, that's a good definition of love, man. Let me use that. And let me use it as, as a definition of this kind of love that Christ here or that John here is writing about. Paul Tripp, he defines love as this. And y'all just listen to me. He, he said the love is willing self-sacrifice for the good of another that does not require reciprocation in that the person being loved is deserving. Read again. Love is willing self-sacrifice for the good of another that does not require reciprocation or that the person being loved is deserving. Now, we all know that love and this word, it means agape. And so the idea is behind it. It's, it's an unconditional love. That it is the call of every b- beloved to love despite one's color, one's class, one's cash, one's culture, and one's classification. It's a love that, 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 that looks past what you bring to how God has called you to love. So, so, so love is not based on if we look alike or if we talk alike or if we live in the same neighborhood. No, this love that God has called us to love is the same kind of love that God in Christ has loved us. It's, it's this willing self-sacrifice. And you see this sacrifice in Christ on the cross. He willingly went to the cross to die for our sins. It was for the good of us that he died. And it's not that man that we can reciprocate what Christ had done for us. But yet, he did it to us who didn't deserve it. Like, you can put Christ in this definition, and it defines what Christ did for us. If that's true, why do we only love people based off of conditions? Why do we only love people who we think that deserves to be loved? When the Bible in Romans says, in Romans 5 says that God loved you when you were helpless, an enemy, and a sinner. And despite all those things, he still showed his love by sending his son to die for you. He, he, he put no conditions. We came with the worst Wounds, and he still loved us. Back in 2015, I'm going to tell you some more about my life. I was on staff, but by this time, being prepared to be uh, an elder at a particular church in Midlothian. And so I was on staff, and I had got through praying, and, and uh, you know, and, 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 going, and going to... Now, a brother from Oak Cliff on staff becoming a pastor in Midlothian. 
Don't figure that doctor. I mean, I ain't that smart. Amen. I didn't deserve to be there, but God, by his grace, had me there. So there I was on staff, a two-time felon from the hood, on stage, at a church in Midlothian. Me. And I, that was me, four and a half years. And y'all, I recall this one time, man, when I was on stage, man, I got off stage, man, and I was in, in service, had ended, and this woman weighing every bit of 85 pounds. About five, six, five, seven at the most. I mean, four, six. Not five, four, six at the most. And she comes up to me. And she makes this racial statement towards me. And she's four foot six, 95 pounds wet, six, two and a half, 290. And when she makes this statement towards me, I literally burst in tears. I just break down. And so I'm, I'm crying. I'm tearing, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, that was snot coming out of my nose. It, it, was, it was just that bad. I'm struggling. So I go towards the back door of the church, not then church, but a building that we met at. And the pastor is about to preach. He looks over the way. I'm at the door and he sees me and he says, Valentine, you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. Said, man, no, you're not. Said, man, I'm okay. I said, I said, man, you know, I quit. I'm done. It's the second time this happened to me. I'm done. He said, Valentine, man, don't make such a rash decision, man. Why don't you go home, give you some time off, man, and pray about it. And then, man, let's, let's, let's talk about it again sometime, man, when you're ready. I get in my car. I say, man, no, get down the side. I got, me some, I got me some days off. You know what I'm saying? And so I got some days off, man. And so, but, man, I was really, man, but really in my heart, I was done. I was done. Yeah, yeah I didn't get a mile down the road. I, heard, I didn't hear my father saying, who told you to quit? Who told you to quit? I thought love was patient. King James says long-suffering. And then because you've been called some names, you want to quit. So turn back around and go tell her that you're sorry. I said, huh? What did I do? I mean... What did, I, what did I do, God? What, what, did, what did I do? You didn't respond in love. You did not respond in love. Y'all, this had to be one of the most humbling moments in ministry. I go back over there. I see her. I look at her. 
I turned around, I said, God help me. <laughs> if you don't help me now, you know I won't do this. Because what you're wanting me to do, my flesh would never do. That moment, man, I'm praying. I am once again repenting. I turn back around and I go to her and I say, I'm sorry. And y'all should have saw her eyes. Because she knew deep down inside I did nothing. I said, but you can't say you repent and not say the, and not say the sin. I, this just can't be a, a blanket. I'm sorry. I said, Miss, I'm sorry that when I repent or when you said something mean to me, I wasn't kind back to you. I'm sorry that when you said something mean to me, I wasn't willing in that moment to forgive you. I'm sorry that when you said something mean to me, I was not willing to show you mercy and grace that Christ shows to me Oh, I'm sorry that when you sinned against me, I didn't love you like Christ loved me. She looked at me, looked at her husband who was about four foot ten, <laughs> and then walked off. See, when you go to reconcile, it does not mean that that person or people will actually reconcile back to you. I simply did what I did out of obedience to God because I love this woman. And see, man, love, even if, even if you don't get in turn what you want or what you're doing, that, that's, that love does not require re- reciprocation. And then listen, and as, and as much as you think the person who don't deserve to be loved is being loved, you did not deserve to be loving, yet God loved you. There are people that we think that don't deserve God's love, and who are you to call that shot? Everybody. Everybody. If God makes the sun to shine on the just and unjust, if he provides for those who are evil and and good, who are we to withhold his goodness? As a matter of fact, he says in Matthew 5, for if you love those who love you, what reward will you have? Don't even tax collectors do the same. We're not called only to love those who love us. We're called to love those who don't love us. Why? Because when you look at 1 John 4, 19, we love simply because we've already been loved. We love our enemies because Christ has loved us. We love those who gossip and slander on us because Christ has loved us. We're never called to love them because they love us. We're called to love them because Christ has already loved us. So stop looking for reciprocation. Stop being petty like I most times am in my marriage. Keeping it real. Sometimes I do to get back. And when she don't give back, I fight. I complain. 
and God would say, son, well, you, you didn't love her. That's, you didn't do that out of love. You did it out of self. So we see the source and we see the summons of love. But then you see in verse 9 and 10, you see two expressions of love. And this, in verse 9, in this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. The first expression of love is God sending his son on earth. It's called the incarnation. Jesus, who is the son of God, is the visible proof of God's love for us and with us. It says that in this, the love of God was made manifest among us that he sent his son. The incarnation of Christ is proof that God loves us. That, that, that next month, it's not about gifts that we give. It's about the gift that came. That, 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 that the beauty of God's love is just not seen, we'll see, in Christ dying. But his love is seen in him sending his only begotten son for imperfect people like ourselves. So if you ever want to doubt that I love you, Read First John. Now read John, John, where in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And in verse 14, and the Word became flesh. That's proof that I love you. I sent my Son for you. The incarnation is proof that God has reached out to us to bring us back to himself. He wanted so badly for us to be with him. He sent his son to us. That's love. He sent his only. And saints, when we get to the point where we're giving our only to others, that's when you know you're loving like God. When we're able to willingly sacrifice, to give sacrificially, you know that man, we are that we are mimicking, that we are imitating God the Father. But not only is his, is his incarnation proof, he says that in verse 10, and this is love again, proof, not only that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be what? The propitiation for our sins. That's a fancy name for satisfied. That is a Fancy narrative that through the uh, through the shed blood of Christ, God, that Christ appeased, He satisfied the anger and wrath of God. Listen, when it comes to the gospel, it's this in a nutshell that a perfect Father sent a perfect Son to die for imperfect people, that we might be, be made perfect in the one we we believe in. You got a perfect Father. Sending a perfect son to die to be good. Listen, listen. On the cross, he he was he died on the cross naked. He was slapped in the face, beaten over and over again with rods. Where Isaiah says he that they didn't even recognize his face. He was punished on the cross for our sins. But in his, but in God on the cross being punished for our sins, it satisfied God the Father. Whenever you doubt that he loves you, he says, look to the cross. I sent my perfect 
son to be punished for you who, who is imperfect in, in reality, but made perfect in the kingdom. It's because of Jesus that one day we'll stand before God holy and blameless. As much as we act like ants, he has declared us saints. Not because of our works, but because of the finished and complete work of Jesus. The cross of Christ, it manifests itself, it, it manifests the depth of God's love for us. Why? Verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to also love one another. So we see in verses 7 through 8, we see the summons and, and to love, and the source is from God, who is God, so we only love because we have God's spirit in us to love. We see the, we see two expressions of God's love in, in the incarnation of Christ and him becoming our him, him becoming our propitiation for our sins. But then you see this, this call again. Verse 11 is really saying what verse 7 first uh, said. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to also love one another. I know y'all all, y'all love books. Y'all are great, histor- y'all are great historians. I, mean, this, I got a guy that when, we, that when my boy and I meet up just to, to talk, he comes with, with 10 books. Like, can you come to me with no books? Stop making your boy look bad, man. I mean, man, stop it. Now, Justin, stop it. <laughs> so, so I know that y'all know a lot. Because this guy is small. I'm jealous too. Hey, man, let me, let me keep going. There's this guy named James Hudson Taylor. Again, going back to verse 11. If God so loved us, we ought to also love one another. James Hudson Taylor, he's this British missionary uh, who had a chance to interview uh, some people who wanted to go over into foreign missions. So he had this litany of questions that he would ask them, like, man, why do you want to be a foreign missionary? Uh, 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 and, and, you know, and so you, you, got, you got where one said, man, man, I want to reach others across the sea because Christ has called us to make disciples of all nations. He asked that one, man, man, why do you want to be a foreign missionary? Uh, he said, man, because, because the gospel needs to be proclaimed in places where, where the gospel is not yet printed or proclaimed. And other people said the like. And then this old sage, James Hudson Taylor, uh, it said that he looked thoughtfully at them and he uttered these words, and I quote, All of your motives are good, but I fear when, but I fear, but I fear you when but I fear you will fail in times of severe testing and tribulation, especially if you are confronted with, with the possibility of having to face death for your testimony and for your faith. The only motive 
that will enable you to remain true and faithful is your love for God and man. Let it be because you have experienced God's love in Jesus that you decide to share the good news of Jesus, no matter the cost, no matter the sacrifice. Grace Church, let it be said, the reason you want to proclaim the gospel to all, let it be said that, that the reason you want to do life together, let it be said that the reason why you want to make disciples that make disciples, let it be said, the reason why you want to plant in support church plants is Let it be said, the reason why you desire to see people know God, follow Jesus, and love others is because the love of Christ constrains you. It constrains you. And when the love of God found in Christ constrains you, You have no choice. You have no choice. Love was never an option. It's a command. You love because he first loved you. Father God, we thank you. We love you. We bless you. That there are times when we go through uh, trials and sufferings, God, that we begin to question, do you love us? That will you still, that are you still pursuing us with your steadfast love? But the Bible makes clear that your love never ceases, your mercies never end. The Bible has made clear today by two expressions, we know that you love us. It is you sending your son and Christ being punished for our sins on the cross, satisfying your anger and your wrath. That because of Christ as a beloved child of yours, we never have to worry about experiencing your wrath. That he drunk, he consumed, he absolved every ounce, every drip of wrath from you. For us. But even though we sin, you are faithful to forgive. I love how Paul says that when we are faithless, you remain faithful, for you cannot deny yourself. God, we we struggle with loving people in our classrooms, loving our teachers, loving our bosses, loving sometimes kinfolk, family. God, we just don't choose to love people, God, because of a certain condition, a certain class or color. May in this time we just be repenting for not wanting to love, to have this willing self-sacrifice for the good 
of the other not wanting it to be reciprocated, even if the person being loved does not deserve it, teach us to love others like you love us. Will you do that? By the power of your spirit and by the precious blood of Jesus, help us to love others like you have perfectly loved us. We ask it in your son's name. Amen.